Welcome to the Balanced CEO Podcast, where we have authentic conversations celebrating the successes of being an entrepreneur while acknowledging the challenges along the way. Join us every other Wednesday as we talk about all things business and life. Nothing is off limits. Here's your hosts, Askar, Sarah-Lise, Taylor, and Aaron. Hello, CEOs. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Welcome to the Balanced CEO Podcast. Today, we will be discussing lipstick versus business managing relationships. I'm Askar. I'm Sarah-Lise. I'm Aaron. We are anchors. So let's get started. Today in the CEO suite, we have Denise Cope, creative director. Now Denise is a phenomenal woman and she is a woman of many traits. She is a freelance graphic designer, visual designer, developer, motion graphic designer, and illustrator. You name it, Denise does it all. She has been drawing and making art since the tender age of two. Began her career in design with fashion. She attended the High School of Fashion Industries in New York and acquired a certificate in textiles. Not only that, she started her own t-shirt company named Ghost Clothing Line her senior year of high school in 2011. Then she was going off to college. She gave her business to a former business partner in 2012, who ultimately lost all of her products and stole the profit that was made. However, that didn't deter Denise. While working on her BFA in graphic design from the Shintaro Akatsu School of Design in Bridgeport, Connecticut, she took a pivot in her career by focusing on graphic design and used her network in Greek life to start designing flyers and letterman jackets for fraternities. This is when she created Snoop Designs, running a full creative agency out of her dorm room. Yes, I said it, out of her dorm room. Denise began making a name for herself on campus, which helped grow her clientele. Not only that, which she started last year. Eclectic is a luxury press-on nail business using her artistic skill as an artist, creating original designs for the customers. You would think she's done? Let me tell you, her repertoire is big. No, her professional resume is outstanding and reflects her dedication. She serves as a senior designer at Orange Label Advertising in Costa Mesa, California. She was also the previous designer for the Madison Square Garden Company working on various properties from the New York Rockettes, the Knicks, and previously serving as the lead motion graphic designer for the New York Rangers in New York. She is an inspiration to many Black women entrepreneurs and professionals around the world. Now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I would love to welcome Denise Koch. Denise, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. No, I mean, it is well-deserved and well-needed. First of all, we're mind-blown. We're so excited to have you here in our CEO suite, joining us for a very amazing conversation about managing relationships with everything you've done and accomplished. It was only right to get you here to talk about this topic because you have done so much have met so many people and reading your bio about what happened to your business when you went off to college. So we thought you'd be the perfect person to talk about the situation. I know relationships are key to business success and is the heart of your business. Do you mind sharing a little bit with our CEOs who are listening right now? What are the most important relationships in your life as an entrepreneur and what role do they play in your success? Looking at everything you've accomplished. Yeah. So Relationships are definitely important, whether that is personal relationships, dating relationships, friendships, family relationships. I think that they're all important to me. However, my top three are definitely friendship, family, and dating. 
family and friendship definitely because those are your biggest fans no matter what especially if you have a great family base in my case i have a wonderful family that has supported me have been to all my art shows because i host art shows every year they've cooked for me they've promoted for me told their friends about me and then my friends they're always on social media always sharing all my products always sharing what I, my newest business ventures because I can never keep still. And dating and partnerships, if you have a very supportive partner, somebody who doesn't want to put themselves into your business, but rather be your fan on the sidelines, I think that that also is a really great thing to have as an entrepreneur. As long as those relationships, and it doesn't matter what any relationship doesn't overshadow who you are as a person and doesn't overshadow what you're doing. That is incredible. Like you were fortunate to have those three big support as you pursued your venture. But what about those women who are starting and they don't have that support? Because I know sometimes a lot of people are trying to start their business, but their family is not as supportive or their friends won't. You said your friends shared everything. There's this, sometimes their friends won't even share. Like, how do you deal with supportive versus unsupportive people in your life? When you deal with supportive versus unsupportive people, one thing that you always have to remember is that your friends and your family are not going to be your target audience. I found that out the hard way because I would always say, well, why are you not buying my products? Or maybe somebody didn't Mm. share one of my posts or didn't come to one of my art shows. And I would say like, why is this person not doing what I need them to do? Like, come on, you're supposed to be like my best friend. You're supposed to be my, my brother, my sister. Why are you not sharing this? But I found that out and I found that out really late in the game. I wasn't even like when I first started my business, I swore up and down. Everybody was supposed to purchase from me. Everybody was supposed to support me as a graphic designer. But later on, I listened to a couple of people talk and they were like, your friends and family are not your target audience. You are trying to sell a business. You're trying to solve a problem. If your friends and family do not fall in your target audience, you cannot fault them not being supportive that's even if somebody is like vehemently like downplaying your business like no this will not work this will not do anything that's just not the person that's for the business that you're doing so one thing that i am actually starting to get into is finding mentorships finding sponsors finding people who are actually in the field that i'm in and just talking to them having conversations i'm the type of person where i don't like to press people um, because i don't like to quote unquote bother people But people like to be bothered. I love talking to people. I love it when, especially when younger female designers, doesn't matter age, come to me and kind of just say like, how did you do this? How did you do that? And they can like email me over and over again. And there's people out there who are like me who want to do that. So when you have those unsupported family members, unsupported friends, create your own communities. Coming out to California, I came out to California on a whim by myself. I packed up everything, left everything because I'm originally from New York, left everything in New York, left my job. And I was like, I'm going to move to the West Coast. And coming out here, I think that was one of the biggest like breaks for me. And that kind of like just showed me who I was as a woman. It definitely made me grow up and definitely made me become way more professional in my business. And by doing a couple of bending shows out here and going on platforms like meetup definitely like instagram looking at different topics and following hashtags that pertain to what i'm interested in that's how i was able to meet people that's how i was able to talk to people and that's really like what was able to make me create my own community because i'll be honest with you coming out here to california i was able to get way more traffic and way more customers at least in person by coming to the west coast definitely on the east coast i still have 
a lot of like virtual clients. But when coming to the West Coast, I, you know, just set up shop. People never saw me, never knew who I was. And I think that that really helped because I really was able to show this is your target audience and these are the people who will actually support you. That's amazing. So you said you kind of moved out to California on a whim. Were your friends and family supportive of that or were they kind of like, this is quite the decision? So it's, it's actually 50-50. When I first was saying it, my mother, she was like, you're not really doing that. <laughs> she was like, I do not believe you. It literally wasn't until I got flown out for my interview that she was like, oh, you're actually going to move to California. So it was, I think it was more scary for everybody. And all my friends and all my family were kind of like, why are you moving to California? <laughs> and Once I did it, everybody was 100% behind it. The one person from the beginning who was very supportive of it was my boyfriend because he he wants to move to California. So that's the only, uh, I would say the only person who was like 100% from the start. But yeah, everybody was just kind of like, you're going to literally leave where you were born and raised. You're going to literally leave the place that raised you to just come to I had never been to California, honestly, before I came for my interview. So they were like, you're literally going to go to a place you've never been before and worked. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. And it's been the best decision I ever made. Was that scary? I don't know if that sounds like a naive question, but I don't know, for me, going somewhere that I've never been for a job, I don't know, that would shake me to my core. (laughs) It was scary. My first year, I definitely had out-of-body experiences. So I would literally be doing something and then I just stopped. You really move across the country. What's wrong with you? Like you step out of yourself and you look at yourself. Like, Why did you do this? <laughs> but those happen so rarely. They'll happen like once a month or something. I love to travel. I love to go to new places. So the travel aspect of it and the, the rush of being somewhere new didn't phase me. I did study abroad my senior year of college and I stayed in South Korea for a month. And I think by me doing that, and I was in a different country, that also helps me be way more comfortable coming here because out there I had to make new friends. I had to meet way new people, people who, some people didn't even speak the same language as me or English wasn't their first language. And so by me doing that, I was way more comfortable moving to California. And it's also kind of funny because I also don't have, I didn't have family here either. I do have family, but they uh, aren't close. So when I had came out here, I was like, well, you don't have a family. You don't have a friend support like what are you going to do so as far as like the safety aspect of it i just made sure that still have those those new york goggles on you check wherever you go don't let people know where you live always just be very cautious of where you're going but outside of that i would just like find places to go make sure i do it in the daytime and i would just get up and go do a lot of google searches a lot of event breaks i went to my first concert by myself which was exciting so you know you just start to do those little things by yourself and after a while, it does not bother you. So, yeah. I'm curious in making the move across the country and, and still focusing on your nine to five and then your personal businesses, what were the biggest challenges that you faced in terms of building support locally where you are now and then also expanding clientele and just the I guess, different environments of New York versus California, very different. Yeah, so COVID was a really big challenge for me because I had, I was relying on doing a lot of in-person vending events to build my customer base in California. 
And I kind of wanted to start small on the local level, like doing Orange County, do LA County and San Diego County, like going to different events. And that's how I would kind of build my customer base on the West Coast. But COVID said, nope, and shut it all down. So <laughs> what I had to start doing was relying a lot on my East Coast contacts, people who I've worked with in the past and doing a lot of retention work. So who have you worked with in the past and how can you either work with them again or how can you get them to re refer you to somebody else? And so like just starting up a newsletter, staying more active with social, doing free events. So I was doing like free Instagram drawing classes. That was how I was able to still keep my customer base back in New York. I also had to start increasing my prices because I couldn't do one-off small $100 project here, $100 project there. I had to literally start creating like package prices, retainer prices, because that was going to keep me afloat for the months that I didn't have that in-person selling my, selling my prints, selling my mugs and stuff like that. So by doing that, that's how I was actually able to keep my base and also grow my base by like having these packages, being, of course, more well-versed in explaining what we do, explaining how the business runs and explaining to our customers, like, this is kind of how the process is. That's how we were able to kind of get bigger. And another thing that I kind of started looking into was into with nonprofits is the fiscal sponsorship. So by me learning about like fundraising, grant writing and stuff like that. I also noticed that 501c3s, they get uh, fiscal grants or fiscal sponsorships. And so when they get those, they can actually put it towards hiring me to design or hiring me to build a new website. So I started to also think like, maybe I need to start working with clients like that because that's kind of like guaranteed money for them. And it's not like with startup companies, you're kind of trying to figure out where your money is and stuff like that. And so building those relationships so in like kind of like a new sector, you would say, was also another way to kind of start building clientele. And then, you know, just talking, joining <laughs> a lot of chat. As COVID had an impact on your business, you had to increase your prices. One thing that I've heard from other entrepreneurs and sometimes new entrepreneurs struggle with is when they have to raise their prices because you need to, and somebody's like, can you do it for free? Or can you lower your prices? And it kind of goes into our, did you ever have to, in a term, fire or let a client go? Because as, and how did that make you feel? Because I'm just thinking about our entrepreneurs, whether they've been in the game for a while or they're new and that they have a client who's not really helping their business, who is somewhat of a pain and they are struggling to let them go because that's guaranteed money. Is there a time that you ever had to fire a client or even fire people in your life in general who are not good to you as a person or good to you as a business? And how did it impact yourself and how did you move forward from it? Yes. So this is a big one, especially for everybody who's in the creative field, graphic designers, all money is not good money. <laughs> you know, I don't care if you can make like a hundred flyers at $60 each is all not good money. Although the customer is always right. You are the professional. You, I went to college for four years. I've been designing for 10 years. I think I know what I'm talking about when I'm giving these recommendations. And when I allow a client to basically step over me, and this was the younger Denise, the younger entrepreneur, I was way more tired and washed out and I didn't want to design. I lost all my creativity because I was literally being like squeezed out like a sponge. 
So yeah, all clients are not going to work well with you. And I have had to fire clients before. Sometimes it may not even be that the client is just mean or nasty. It could be that your personalities don't mesh well. So I've had clients who we have worked together and we literally have not seen eye to eye. They were like, this is not what I wanted. And I'm like, this is what you said. And they're like, yeah, that's what I said, but this is not what I wanted. And it's literally a constant back and forth to the point that it's just like, you know what? Maybe we don't see eye to eye on this. We may not need to continue forward. So yeah, I've had to let them go. (laughs) But at the same time, you don't want to be nasty to certain people because I've had clients that have literally driven me up the wall, but they have recommended me to maybe somebody else who I worked really well with. So there are times where you do have to let a client go. But one thing that I will highly recommend, especially if you are in a field that allows you to do briefing, a good creative brief can help you avoid this, this level, this process. Because one, usually people usually fall out over money, over creative vision, and over deadlines. So if somebody's calling out creative brief and I see that their deadline is the end of the week, I don't have time for that. So I'm going to tell you no. Or I'm going to say, hey, do you mind waiting my recommended two-week turnaround? Then it's if you have a client that doesn't have the budget. So budget is usually the biggest one, especially when it comes to nonprofits and startups. You typically want to give people a ballpark range. Like, hey, you know, my minimum price is, I never want to give myself a cap because depending on the type of work, it may exceed that cap. But I definitely like to give like a little rough minimum price to people. So that way they're not like, oh, well, I thought it would be $50 to get a logo done. And it's like, no, my logos don't start at that. So usually when they fill out that that price point, then it's like, okay, well, you don't fall in the money that I want. So now that I know if this client ever tried to like, let's say, give me 10 revisions, they have to be able to afford 10 revisions. Or if they're asking for a full rebrand package, but they only want to give me $60, it's not going to work. So let me just cut this client off from now and then maybe say, hey, in the future, whenever like your business picks up or you're ready to do another rebrand, you could come back to me and we could try to make this work. So you're not technically losing that client, but you're kind of like getting rid of that relationship before it turns sour in the end. And then creative vision. I always ask, give me references, give me styles. Like I have a certain style to me. While I can literally do anything I put my mind to because I'm a jack of all trades. I still know the type of style that I have. And I still know, like, I design like this. There are people who literally are professionals in that specific field. So you may be looking for something that's, like, super photorealistic, a super photo edit. I personally know that I don't really focus on that. So I would tell you, like, hey, maybe I'm not this right fit, but I know an artist who is. So that way you're also able to build up your relationships now with other designers in your Field. One thing that happened during this whole entire COVID thing is that there was a surge in Black businesses, primarily because Black businesses tend to be the businesses that nobody sees, we get stepped on, we don't get the funding, we don't get this, we don't get that. And so people kind of came together and said, like, let's all support our own and support those businesses. And by being a part of that, we there was a group chat for our created called Where Are the Black Designers? Because if you typed in top graphic designers, there is not a single Black face that is up there. So in order to change that, designers around the world kind of came together and they said, well, let's recommend each other. (laughs) Like, if I can't do, I know, like, I can't do 3D animations yet. So I would say, I'll write in my group chat, hey, is there any 3D artists in here? 
boom, I went and gave somebody a job. I also was looking for a junior designer. We hired a junior designer last year. I went in that group chat, boom, I created a relationship and got a new junior designer who works amazing. She works just like me. And so I'm like, you're perfect. Like, I'll give you whatever you need kind of thing. So yeah, like when you have those briefs, when you have those conversations, consultation calls, if you are in the field that allows you to do consultation calls, always ask those hard questions from the beginning, those top questions to be, who are you? What is your vision and mission statement? What is your target audience? How much are you willing to spend? And what is your deadline? If you ask those questions, I swear you will find the perfect clients all the time. That was really, really good. It's not just new entrepreneurs in general. These are so so many great gems that you're dropping because sometimes you have to be honest and be like, you don't have the budget and it's okay. You can always come back and I think you provide that. That's great. In your bio, it said that you had a business that you gave to a friend. And if you don't mind sharing, you had a business, you gave it to a friend and then eventually the business fell off or you guys fell off a year later. And when you think about entrepreneurs, oftentimes we're like, we have a best friend or a family member. And so many oftentimes I hear entrepreneurs talk about going to business with people they know and something goes off. Now, what is your take on that? And speaking from personal experience, what lessons did you learn from that situation? And if there was a young woman who's like, I'm going to business with my best friend or my sister, like what advice would you give them based upon the experience you had happen to you back in 2011 and 12? Contracts are important. (laughs) (laughs) If you absolutely must, if you say I have to go into business with my friend, my parents, my boyfriend, my husband, my wife, get a contract and get your own separate lawyers. I promise you it will make your life much better. So Eclatic Nails, I do have a business partner. We definitely have a contract. Anything that I do, it has a contract. And oh, that also goes in with the firing and hiring people. Make sure you have contracts, creative people. (laughs) Spend that little couple hundred dollars to just have an attorney, a licensed attorney, write you out a nice little contract that kind of covers like deadlines if they don't pay you on time, how how much they pay you, always take the passes up front. Legalities, what state your legalities fall under, just have a nice little contract that you can generally give out to people. Have NDAs. Definitely have NDAs because if you are a creative like me and you, especially when you're like applying to jobs and this, this is like a whole nother like section to go into. Like now companies are having people like do assessments where basically they like submit some type of art project that deals with a campaign and then like companies are stealing people's designs. I've seen this in both fashion and in graphic design industries get an NDA if you want me to design so badly and you want me to create this project that hasn't been on the market yet you can sign this NDA saying that you'll never redo this again and if they have a problem with that that's not the company to work for even if that's the best company that you've always wanted to work for save yourself the trouble because I promise you if it's not next year five years down the road you will see your design on a billboard but yes to go back Definitely, 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 definitely. If there's one thing I'll say, I'll say it over again, is get a contract. That that kind of like helps you 100%. Because even with the contract, let's say you, if, if it's like somebody that's your, your partner, you and your partner fall out, you guys have a legal binding document that says either y'all figure it out and y'all make this business work or you dissolve the business. So I would definitely say contract. Another thing that I would probably say, this is when I was starting, so I didn't have bookkeeping, I didn't have a CPA, all that stuff. Stay on top of your books, stay on top of your tracking, SKU numbers and things like that, because if you're able to kind of like back up 
purchase receipts, when you purchased it, then you have something to take that person to court over. Make a friend with a lawyer. If you have friends that just passed the bar, oh, you passed the bar in my state, we need to be friends right now. So that way, like, <laughs> if you need to ask them a legal question, it's like, girl, they doing something crazy over here. Can we, like, do something? What do you think? Then more than likely, they'll give you their professional advice without charging you. And then you can see if, like, maybe you could take it to civil court, if you could take it, if you have to go higher, depending on what it is, things like that. And what else did I learn? That I... I I believe in contracting your friends. I definitely believe in like hiring friends, freelance work. I'm not the biggest fan of hiring people full time that live that are family members. However, I have seen it work. And the only way I've seen it work is if you remove that nepotism and you absolutely treat this person as an employee. So you have to be 100% with this employee and say like, hey, you're not doing this right, or hey, you're doing excellent. And if you're able to absolutely sever ties and be 100% with this person, I have seen it work very well, um, where you can go into business with family members, friends and stuff like that. But yeah, I would just say if you want to avoid what I went through, definitely get a contract and definitely have some type of receipt of what you purchased and definitely have NDAs. Um, now, the person that unfortunately was lost my products, they never went and resold any of it. So that's the good part about it. But if they had, God forbid, I would be a little, I would be messed up. So yeah. Yeah, I think that that's golden advice. Because if you're going to put so much time and effort into into growing this 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 idea this this project this baby, you want to make sure that you're doing it right. And also, just to reiterate what you had said about even when you're connecting with companies and potential employers about getting your ideas out there, because I've heard that so many times, particularly throughout 2020, there was a lot of people looking for new opportunities, new remote opportunities, and putting together actual full-out presentations and then never hearing back from a company. So I think what you've just offered has been something that people don't talk about as often as they should. So I think that's golden. Yes, definitely. I would always highly recommend it. And it's it's taboo. Like, they may feel insulted, but I think if you say it in a nice way, just like seeing what has been going on in the news and how people have been getting ideas stolen, I would feel more comfortable if somebody on your team could sign this NDA so that way at least I know my work is protected. And people have to respect that. If they're not going to respect that, then why work with me? You don't respect me as a creative. Perfect. Perfect. And now we're getting ready to wrap up. Oh my God, Denise, these were so many wonderful, amazing gems that you just dropped. Not only for wherever you are in your entrepreneurship journey, I'm pretty sure you can take something out of everything that you said. And just to wrap up, Denise, when you're looking over your journey of where you started and where you are right now, what would you say are, I would say, five key strategies for building successful relationships as an entrepreneur? Not getting your feelings involved. So knowing that your target audience is not your family or friends. contracts and always making sure that you are protected legally, making sure that your books are in order because you do not want to be in trouble with the tax man. <laughs> Knowing your worth is a very big one. So like I said, I increase my prices. I unfortunately will lose a, a lot of potential work because people cannot afford me, but I will gain a lot of bigger clients because those people can afford me and the work that I can do. 
And just knowing that your business is here to solve a problem. If you feel that you are losing that energy or you're feeling you're not answering those questions anymore, maybe it's time to sell it, start something new. I started Eclectic Nails because I was like, I'm good at nails. Maybe I want to get into the nail industry and get a cosmetology license. So like, it's okay to pivot. It's okay to have Snoop Designs be the grand brand and then have other brands underneath that. So don't be afraid to always teach yourself something new. That's why I know how to do 10 different things because I always taught myself something new if I didn't know how to do it. So yeah. Thank you, Denise. This was great. You've given us some help as well. If you feel like you accomplished nothing today, know that your gems are being used. And I appreciate that because I think you get nervous when we're putting something out there. We want the people we love to support us. But understanding at the end of the day, you're solving a problem and your family and your friends are not your audience. But there's somebody yeah. out there in Mississippi or Cali who will buy that product full price too. So thank you so much, Denise, for joining us. We love having you. And if we have our listeners who want to show, we encourage our listeners to show you some love. How can they show you some love? How can they contact you, Denise? Yes. So Snoop Designs, you guys can reach me everywhere. <laughs> I, my website is daylasnoop.com so that's l-a-s-n as in nancy p as in paul.com you can also reach us on instagram at daylasnoop.graphics so it's d-e-l-a-s-n-p dot g-r-f-x you can also reach us on facebook that's dollar sign np designs so the dollar sign np that's pronounced as snoop in case anybody doesn't know for eclastic you can visit us on eclastic.com on instagram and on twitter and on facebook eclastic and a big thing that i have coming up since it is my 10-year anniversary in california i will be having my 10-year augmented reality extravaganza <laughs> it will be a two-day event COVID permitting, we will be doing an outdoor open air, basically experience. And we're going to have everything from augmented reality to art to holograms, you name it. So right now we are looking for sponsors. We are looking for companies to partner with us. So if you would like to partner with something that has been very big, I've been doing art shows for three years and they get bigger and bigger then please reach out to me at info at daylifesnoop.com. I would love to ha work with you guys. Thank you for joining us this week on the Balance CEO Podcast. Check us out on our website at anchors.com. That is anchors, A-N-K-O-R-Z dot com. Or look us up on social media at Anchors LLC for more information about us and today's podcast. As always, subscribe to Spotify and iTunes to catch each episode. And leave us a review wherever you're listening from so we can continue to give you new, fresh content. See you next time.